Would you pray with me? Loving God, on this holy day, come into our hearts and whatever we may be holding in our lives that are challenging, that are distressing, that are weighing upon us. Be a light to our darkness and a, a sense of possibility where we can see none. We are so blessed to be in this place, to be with each other. And for this we give thanks, and for your word this morning, we give thanks. Amen. So last Sunday, we retreated to a, a gorgeous Lessons and Carols service. And with Christmas Eve falling on a Sunday this year, in just a few hours, we will begin five glorious Christmas Eve services. And amid all of that preparation and pageantry, it would be easy enough to overlook the fact that we still have one more Sunday of Advent. So first of all, congratulations to all of you, the truly faithful, <laughs> for being here this morning. And second, I for one think you have made a wise choice. Because while the rest of the year, understandably, is kind of the Jesus show, as each week we preach about Jesus teaching this or Jesus healing that, during Advent, Jesus isn't doing anything especially impressive. So we have the chance to consider the wisdom of other biblical characters around him. And on that fourth Sunday of Advent, that's usually Mary. Not Mary, the iconic holy mother of Jesus made famous through 2,000 years of tradition and veneration. Not the beatific Mary of untold porcelain statues no one knows quite what to do with. This Sunday is about Mary, the peasant girl. Mary, the not particularly special or important. Mary, the really quite ordinary who still manages to do something rather extraordinary. It begins when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and explains that she will bear the Son of the Most High, and of His kingdom there will be no end. To which Mary tilts her head, sure he has the wrong girl, and asks the obvious, how can this be since I am a virgin? Gabriel responds, honestly, mostly by repeating himself. He does mention her cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant, and he ends with a kind of catch-all phrase that, well, nothing is impossible for God. And Mary says, okay, I'm in. Her exact words are, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Her arms that were at first crossed are now open. Her guard that was at first raised is now down. She has somehow traversed the ocean from how can this be to let it be. It is an extraordinary distance to have traveled in just six lines. 
and getting ourselves from how can this be to let it be is also, I think, the journey that we are all on. It's why I think we come here on Sundays. Tired of spending so much time in a how-can-this-be kind of way, a skeptical, cautious, guarded way. We sense that, there, that we were made to be in this world more at ease, more trusting, more of a let-it-be-with-me-according-to-your-word kind of way. But this is not easy, is it? The world around us and our fellow humans rarely give us reason to believe that we should be more relaxed. There's not much about the world right now that says, take it easy, really, it's fine. We all know that people can be cruel, that life can be harsh, and that bad things can and will happen to us. In fact, given the circumstances we find ourselves in, being skeptical, cautious, and guarded is clearly the rational thing to do. But here's the thing. The way of faith, it's not rational. When Jesus chose the cross instead of running or fighting, it wasn't rational. When Mary says yes to the angel Gabriel without any evidence or reason, it's not rational. Which is not to say that it was irrational, but rather that faith comes from a place in us that is beyond rational. Something we might call rational plus. You know how there's Hulu plus and Disney plus? Well, rational plus is for those who suspect that there are more channels out there than we can pick up with just our analytical minds. And to be in the world with more trust and more faith, more ease, we must learn to access this different place in us. I think people like Mary and Jesus could be very rational. But I think they were also in touch with other ways of knowing, other ways of seeing. They were in touch with what we might call their heart center, that place in us where divine love resides. They could see the world through what is sometimes called the eyes of the heart. Because while our rational center is enormously important and we need it for all kinds of things, part of its job is also to scan for danger. And so it's also the source of fear and anxiety and when it becomes the primary or even the only lens through which we are seeing the world, well, then we need a different perspective. We need to get in touch with that place of divine love within us. So whenever I feel a wave of anxiety come over me, if I can catch it in time, I do something very simple. 
I tell myself to surround that anxiety with love. So, for example, let's say hypothetically that yesterday I was starting to panic a little bit about this sermon. Let's say I was feeling pretty good about the opening, but then I started going down this rabbit hole about our rational center is different from our heart center and, and how we need to learn to see with the eyes of the heart. And let's say, hypothetically, that I thought, well, this is all going to sound like a bunch of new age mumbo jumbo to people and everyone is going to think I'm an idiot. And then because this is what anxiety does to us, let's say that I thought, well, maybe I am an idiot. <laughs> maybe I have no business being up here in the first place. And from that, how can this be place inside of me? Let's say I began to ask, how could it be that I ever thought that I could stand up here and preach? Now, that didn't happen to me. <laughs> it's probably never happened to you. But we can all relate with the way that anxiety can take us over and down that path. And what I would do if that had happened to me is take a breath, and I would try to get in touch with that divine love part of me, that place where I remember that I am loved completely and unconditionally, that place where then I can bring love, actually, that I can be love to others, and to myself. And from that place, I would try to be compassionate toward that crazy, panicky part of me. And I would try to remember that what I'm really here to do is to preach from a place of love. And if I do that, then that divine love in me will speak to the divine love in you, and that's all I really have to do. And that is all any of us ever have to do. Love, my friends, is the only real currency in this world. And it's the only thing that is big enough and strong enough to shift us out of a how-can-this-be kind of mindset to a let-it-be-with-me. And when we do, sometimes something really interesting happens. Released from the obsessions of our two small worries, we can actually then feel a sense of freedom and lightness. Having surrendered ourselves to love, we can experience what Jesus called a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that isn't based on external circumstances, a peace that isn't rational. And then funny enough, no matter what is happening out there, we can experience the very security that our skeptical, cautious, guarded self was trying so hard to grasp but couldn't. I promise you it is possible. But it only works when we go all the way. We have to give up everything our how-can-this-be mind thinks is so important and place our trust completely in the hands of God and the way of love. Which I know sounds like foolishness to our rational minds. 
but if a very ordinary, nothing very special, easily overlooked fourth Sunday of Advent peasant girl can do it, maybe we can too.